Welcome to Coach's Corner with your host, Ryan Watson nope, and Jonathan Gordon. I'm just letting you know I'm going to hate it. You're going to hate it? Yeah. All right, here we go now. Get behind that line. We're going to do it right. Do it right. Do it light. Let's go. Welcome to this week's edition of Coach's Corner, early bi-week edition, with your host Ryan Watson and Jonathan Bourne, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. Find all of our great content at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Jonathan, it's been a weird week. We're not, we didn't think we were going to have to prepare for our bi-week content this early in the season. I'm sure others are taking it a lot harder than that. But uh, were you able to do anything special with your weekend, not having to, to break down the Titans or see any, any uh, scouting or analysis? did pretty much what I normally do, which is uh, watch football. It just uh, was a little more spread out than focused on one team. But, yeah, weekends, it's kind of the getaway. So, yeah, didn't do anything super special with it. Uh, also, it was kind of a weird bye week. You didn't really know it was a bye week yeah, for until sure. you're halfway through it. So, uh, I know some guys, uh, some some guys at the group managed to actually get away, take advantage of it. So, that's good. But uh, now, I mean, sat down, relaxed, watched some football. Yeah, I couldn't really get away with the kids and everything. Had a soccer game, had to stay in town for it, all that good stuff. But it was kind of, like you said, you hinted at there, it was a very weird weekend. You didn't know it was going to be a bye week, so not hard, pretty hard to prepare for all the way around as far as what was going to happen. Of course, then you had the looming threat of the NFL investigation coming in to see if the Titans uh, failed any of the protocols. Turns out that probably needs some more stricter are strict protocols across the board. Um, and you, your John Gruden's of the world are probably going to get hammered if they don't start wearing their masks properly, at least on TV. The John Gruden's of the world have already been hammered. They've been uh, fined very much up into the six figures, and those those things are only going to get worse. That's but, what I uh, mean. It's going to get a real interesting and real bad. So hopefully he listens and he starts to um, maintain his presence about being a little more acceptable to those rules and, and interacting with that. So it's just, it's, it'll be interesting. They hadn't really come out yet about the Titans, what I was going to come out with that. I haven't seen anything official. They're still reviewing, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. They, apparently, I mean, Vrabel's real cagey about it. The way it was worded in the memo kind of said, said that they, you know, there were violations and those have been dealt with, okay. so which kind of impl- there were some implications, but there's been no explicit wording about. It. I know there's been some talk in the media here in Nashville about how the the NFL is handling it, and I definitely think the NFL is the type of organization that would try to get out in front of a message like that to try and scapegoat an organization. Um, that said, they do have a requirement to to look at any sort of negligence on the Titans' behalf. So I don't really know whether the investigation is still going on or not because it has been so cagey. There's been questions about it, but nobody's really opening up about it. So it's still, still kind of a mystery. Yeah. I, I, th- I think personally it's kind of put to bed. I think they have learned from it. The the change that they made to the free agent um, kind of signing period and kind of that quarantine period before they can practice seems like a direct result of things that happened here with the Titans. So that tells me that they, they've learned from that. The implication by putting in additional um, security cameras or yep. video footage to track things like that, maybe something, hey, we went to this investigation, we couldn't find anything because there weren't enough cameras here, so possibly another lesson learned from investigating the Titans. Lessons learned. Exactly. So it doesn't <laughs> seem like, to me, it seems like it's kind of put to bed, but I could be wrong on that. 
Yeah, and the other thing that's coming out of this is that you heard about other organizations are dealing with this. It wasn't just the Titans. Everyone wanted to take the Titans down to the river and just throw them in and forget about them for the season. It just, you know, they didn't. If they weren't willing to do that with the Miami Marlins earlier this season in baseball, I don't think you're going to get that with the Titans now, especially when it turns out other teams were having to deal with a little bit of COVID. Um, situations themselves this week in Cam Newton, for example, going out uh, two days before the game, popping test, uh, positive, testing positive for COVID right before. And then, of course, the Patriots, I mean, smallest violin playing right now, the Patriots had to deal with a little adversity <laughs> with not having to go to the backup to the backup to the backup quarterback or whatever happened there with Stidham and Hoyer. Um, I mean, I'll actually defend the Patriots on that. That's a tough situation to be put in. You had one team that got their game delayed till week seven, and then you had another team that got their game delayed to a Tuesday, which is going to push into the following week, and they had to play without their starting quarterback, which if you watch the game, hard to say that, you mean, or it's pretty easy to say that had Cam been in there. At least it, early, at it, least early it, for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, it pick sixes, the game will get away from you. Yeah. But you're assuming he ain't throwing those kinds of things, and he's a yeah. better offensive weapon than some of the well, that plays that, that one Ryan picks, Hoyer was that, playing. That so. one pick six, Edelman, I don't care who your quarterback is. That If, if Edelman's going to treat the ball like that, that's going to be a pick six. Sure, but I'm saying what I'm saying, though, is that to, to imply that that game would not have been different had Cam been in yeah. there. And the Chiefs are playing some good defense, don't get me wrong, but like, Brian Hoyer had some of the dumbest plays that I've ever seen a quarterback Oh, right before play. the field. Let's talk about that for a second. Now, we're kind of gone he off track le- here. He took at least six points off the board. Yeah, so. let's talk about the end of the half there with a the field goal and why that was so big. You're driving for at least points right there to, to go into the halftime. You get the ball back first, so you're, you're looking to, to have a 10-point swing at the max right there because I don't think that I don't think the Patriots are going to score. So you can't no timeouts left. You can't take a sack. And what does he do? Yeah, he takes the sack. Takes the sack. Well, the thing is, then he gets up and tries to call a timeout, which means he had no awareness. Yeah, I mean, he tra- he had no idea of the game situation. So that's a little bit on coaches. But frankly, if you're a coach and you have Brian Hoyer in there, who's only on your roster because he's there to not make those kinds of plays, yeah, he's the, he's the heady guy that should be you know aware of those. So and that's the thing. I'm not even thinking to bring that up to Brian Hoyer. And so I mean. If you're Hoyer, that's really a one-read kind of thing. If it's not there, you're throwing it out the back of the end zone. He's trying too hard with his his moment, probably, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? But, yeah, you can't do that. I've been a part of games where the quarterback I had would do that. It's just one of the more maddening. You're like, come on, have some situational awareness about you. Like, I shouldn't – you shouldn't have to, as a coach, explain every single situation, every single moment that could happen there. That's what practice is for and all that, and I get that. They were at a bit of a, um, a tough road with that, and I agree. My joke was just that the Patriots, you know, tend to be on the opposite side of these breaks. It's happening to other teams, not them. Well, I just wanted to bring up this thought that there's like all these conspiracy theories out there, and I'm not giving them any sort of time. But at the same time, like it's more that the the NFL is not taking things out on the Titans, in specifically sure. in my opinion, because the the Patriots have not did not exactly get a ton of favors in this situation, right? And I, but that I guess that was my point too is that is that it wasn't just the Titans going; it wasn't it was it happened to the Patriots. Uh, well, I know we talked about the Raiders already, but there was there was film that came out or a video that came out that they were at a big like charity gathering, which that's great. I know charity is fantastic, but nobody. They had masks on inside, which is a big violation. There was a big group gathering, so you had this new rule coming out about no no gatherings socially away from the the team. Uh, Eric Ebron's going to just hate that for birthday parties and such. Yeah, they raised like three hundred thousand dollars at the charity event, which is spectacular for charity. But, but they also raised uh, about that much again, just in, in fines. fines. Exactly. So uh, hopefully that goes to charity as well. We'll see. I doubt it very much, but you know how those fines work. So it's not just the Titans, just, just to stress there out there, Titans fans. It's the, the whole league 
is now having to deal with this. And, and, it, and it's nice. It's not nice, sorry. But you see that the, the NFL, instead of forfeiting games, is trying to find ways to make things work. But to your point last week, at some point in time, you're going to run out of options unless you really extend the season or decide that you're going to bubble up and, and go somewhere and just take everything, take every other outside influence away and, and make this real streamlined, which I don't see a path to that just yet. Or at least what I mean by that is they haven't taken the steps for that path just yet. Yeah, it's pretty clear that the Titans situation was a gap in the protocols with the bringing in a free agent, and so that has been remedied. Um, those th- kind of things are going to happen. Uh, you think you got everything covered and something kind of, oh, we forgot about that one little bit. So whenever you get the that situation, you kind of had an outbreak. Hopefully the way the protocols are set up now is that it's meant so that you'll have these one-off situations and then you can quarantine them, they get taken out, you continue on with the extended practice squads, the Titans are the situation that the NFL wants to avoid with the outbreak outbreak in in a locker room. So they are a one-situation kind of situation right now. And so it'll be interesting to see as they kind of move forward, if something else does happen like that. I think they were explicit about forfeiture of games because if they are to find negligence that causes negligence, that, sure, sure, that's sure. the only time I think you may see the forfeiture. Um, luckily though, the Titans were in a situation where they were able to move around some games relatively easily, but it's not going to be the case moving forward. And I think the NFL is aware of that as well. Right. And, and so hopefully this will be a little smoother going forward, especially when you have a situation like it. It sounds like, though, they locked it down when they could. And with the Titans having two back-to-back days of negative uh, – or, sorry, no positive tests from any anyone new, I should say, because there's a little difference there with the people who are already on the list. And, and who knows what they're doing with those. So there's been some debate, some arguing back and forth of whether they're retesting or what they're doing. But, I mean, they're, they're, who knows. Um, but at least there's been no new positives, which means they're on track at this point to start back up practices in a normal week on Wednesday, which would be a normal schedule. We talked about last week about losing that install day on Wednesday, that heavy install, that heavy hitting. Now you're back on track, and at least as far as being able to plan for a game and work towards a game, it could be a quote-unquote normal week for you, at least from a planning and strategic side of things. Strategery. Strategery. So it's one of those that, you know, yes, they're, they're going to get back on the field tomorrow. I think Vrabel talked about it, maybe kind of a walkthrough kind of day. So obviously they may have some sort of acclimation period getting guys back in there, which that's fine. But, I mean, overall, it's a relatively normal week from a scheduling perspective. Uh, in the NFL's recommendations, they said that, hey, maybe con- convert to all virtual meetings from here on out. I don't know whether the Titans will actually adhere to that or not, um, but it- it's one of those that, hey, I don't think they've lost a ton so much as the direct players that may not play this weekend. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of where you have to start to monitor throughout the week to see if people come back. I mean, heck, Isaiah Wilson, not that, again, not that he's a huge player towards playing, but he may have may or may not have had some playing time this last weekend, depending on if he would have come along and hadn't been on this COVID list for so long. But he's been on the COVID list, it seems like, two years now. So it's not an automatic thing where guys just – now, that's a completely different situation from everyone yeah, else. That's a, that's but my a, point is – a loaded Pandora's box. Yeah, <laughs> Panda box. Anyway. But it's, Get out. Um, <laughs> but my point is is that he, he's been on the COVID list for a month or two. It's been a while. And so you can't just assume these guys are going to come off after five days or six days, I guess was my point I was trying to get to. So you've got some big names on this list, Jeffrey Simmons being the biggest name on this list. Uh, Daquan Jones, I feel, is not, maybe if he's not equally big, I think that for his position, he's equally as important because he, I'm not going to mince words, he's had a fantastic season. He's been great. And the drop-off that, that you can see from when those two were not in the game to the backups, it is 
It's not even night and day. It's different calendar years. It is just, it's it, these are these two guys are going to be missed. Now, of the two, to you, obviously Simmons is the, is the miss, and why is that? Because he's well, he's probably the best player on the right. football team. I mean, anytime you lose a guy like that, that's one of those that it's going to impact your team. So if the question is simply who is the biggest impact, it's Simmons, and we can kind of move on. But that's not to, <laughs> that's not to downplay Daquan Jones because Daquan Jones is a loss even when you still had Simmons because as you talk about that drop-off, the fact that neither one of them will be in there, that that's kind of a big deal. Um, now, getting... We'll talk more about the Bills specifically and kind of the things that they do and, and about that matchup. But Just a little bit. Yeah, it, it's one of those. <laughs> the good news is your offense, which is how you've been winning games, has is relatively intact. Right. And so the things, how do you how do you win games? And so the way the way that they are attacking uh, so far this season, the Titans are in relatively good shape on the offensive side of the ball. The one caveat to that is obviously blasting game. Um, just because in a lot of the review I've done, he's been very important in the run game as far as he's been the lead back for Henry in a lot of plays. And, and, and the way that they've been scheming to, to affect him on the second level, it's going to be at least from a, a schematic standpoint a little different because now you're going to go to a little, probably a little more one-back sets, three wide receivers spread out a little bit, which may not be the worst thing in the world, honestly, but he's also been a really big – the play action has been phenomenal from the Titans this year. And a big reason for that is not just the offensive line has been very important, but your your secondary tight ends, your Pruitt, your Michael Pruitts, uh, and your blasting game uh, coming from the H spot, they have the fullback spot, quote-unquote, and coming through. It has done a good job picking up leakage and picking up edge defenders to give Tannehill time to throw. And you don't see that on every team. You don't have that. So to me, he may not be a big stats guy that you're missing, but at least from how you run your offense uh, and how you want to go from first to third down is going to change just a little bit in my mind if he's not available. See, I actually think that the, they're going to roll Michael Pruitt in there. I'm glad he brought him up. He's a guy that plays that H-back role primarily as a blocking tight end. They move him around. So you'll see the Johnny line up at full, fullback. Some Michael Pruitt will line up there as well. Ferkser, he he's a slot receiver. He does <laughs> he's, a, uh, he's a third down conversion. Yeah. But I really do think <laughs> that's probably what your natural answer is going to be there. And I think Michael can play that role. Sure, uh, sure. I don't have any doubt there. But what I've... But, my point is, is what I've seen on film from last game, yeah. I've liked, and I hate missing that. Yeah. And I think it'll be fine, but it'll just be interesting to see how they, because now you have, you do have to start moving people off that roster to fill in, and it'll just be, someone, someone's got, it's got to break somewhere. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, so I, I think, yeah, you're going to have to adapt. But again, we talked about last week, you know, the loss of Bo Brinkley. Yes, I mean, it's a loss, don't get me wrong, but it, it's. Of the people you could lose, blasting game on that offense. Oh, yeah, 100%. It, yeah, you, okay. You I think Adam Humphreys is probably, in my opinion, a bigger loss than um, than blasting game. Just, just put bigger Humphreys in there. Ferkser, we yeah, already Fer- mentioned Yeah, Ferkser, but if you get A.J. Brown back, <laughs> then that changes it's, some it's things. It's less, so, it's mitigated. Yeah, so I think I think offensively they are in a good good spot, especially the other question is obviously Taylor Lewan, yeah. left tackle. I mean, if, if he's in there, I think they're in a really good spot. You still have that offensive line intact, and so that's really going to be where I think you have to really see come out of this if they can have an offensive game plan with fewer adjustments. I think they're in good shape going into the game. Yeah, because uh, Sambrillo, I, I don't want to see another game of him playing. He played three quarters, almost a little over three quarters in this game. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, I, I heard I heard before I went to go back and review the film of how bad he was. In the first four plays, I was like, he's not terrible. 
And then it went way downhill after that. I mean, from giving up pressures to stepping the wrong way, uh, you've already got one offensive lineman who who seems to do his own thing and freelance a little bit in blocking and Nate Davis. I don't want two that you have no clue what they're doing. Uh, and that's not fair to Nate Davis. He's been much better than that. But there were two plays this last week that I, afterwards I literally go, I would be so pissed at him if I was the backside line that he literally just undercut because he missed his block. Those kind of things. So I don't. I want Lawan back, obviously, as your starting left tackle, but the drop-off is, is – is very significant there as most backups are, but it seems like it's a little worse here. So that's the other thing too, is that you, you give this chance, this break, this, this early bye week. Uh, and what I want to talk about the advantages and the disadvantages of having the early bye week real quick before we move on uh, to our next topic. And obviously, and I'll take the positives and I'll, I'll kick it to you for the negatives. Cause I think you've got a great point about the negative. The positive is you give these guys who've been nursing these injuries and coming along that you thought their target might be back this week. Well, here it is, and you've had another week of just being able to rest and get these guys back here a little dinged up. Taylor Lewan, A.J. Brown, Adore Jackson. Not only that, but your guys who played now get a little bit of rest and come back a little fresh, can figure things out, get a lot of mental reps probably going through the video. Not probably. I would hope that that's what they've been taking advantage of this time to be able to review their mistakes and come back together. So I think that, that there's a positive from all this. If there can be one, I don't like it. You know, I would have rather just played the game, gotten over with, and move on. But at the same time, you get a chance to get these guys back, which can only help you for this next game getting those guys back instead of as opposed to not having them. But as you pointed out earlier, there's a big negative. Yeah, I think whenever you look, one of the big talking points of the first three weeks of the season was the amount of snaps that the guys like Derrick Henry and uh, Harold Landry's, the Jadevian Clownies, those kinds of guys, the number of snaps that they've been having to play. Um, Yes, so there's two ways to look at it. They get it. They have heavy workloads and then get a reprieve to hit this marathon moving forward. Again, we talk about your goals to win a Super Bowl. If your goals to win a Super Bowl, hey, you got you got a long road ahead of you with no breaks unless they get a bye. If they get that number one seed, okay, good luck, Chiefs. Um, <laughs> right. So it's one of those. Now the workload monitoring, I think, becomes even bigger of a talking point. If you go into these next few games and you see those heavy workloads on those same sort of guys, it it's going to be an even bigger thing to monitor as we get further into the season because there are no breaks from yep. here on out. So your your Henrys, your Landrys, which they talked about in the offseason, talking about his workload that he had last season. Well, you're on pace to hit that again. Your Clownies, is he getting in more? Roberson's got to come back. Uh, yep. Vic Beasley's got to contribute more than 16 plays a game. Your Darrington Evans, Evans are, are, so, are so much more important now. They've got to work in. So you got, you got to count on these backup guys to give these starter guys a chance to not only have some breaks, but be successful while they're off the field. Yeah, so that's one of those. If you go into this game and you see those workloads adjusted a bit, then I think that is still kind of a positive because it saves them another heavy workload kind of day. Um, but if you go in and nothing changes, then I, I think that's going to be a definitely something to monitor as you move forward. 100%. So that that is the big news from the bye week from the Titans as far as coming through and seeing what they're going to what their next week is going to look at. And we'll look at the Bills in just a second because it's something else, a big bomb drop this week. It was not COVID-related. Um, and it made me, it did make me a little sick to my stomach, though, because I thought this guy was doing a great job for the franchise. I thought that Bill O'Brien was a fantastic coach. Maybe I'm, you know, for selfish reasons, thought he was a fantastic coach, wanted him to stay with the Texans forever. But he the situation was terrible. When you look at everything that he did to build this team that is 0-4, the future that he sold to get to 0-4. And, and you put it best, this was probably the start of a season that you weren't going to be real successful with anyway. 
You should have to kind of maintain till you get to the little easier part of your schedule and then start winning. But they've looked bad. And and, and, and what they traded for didn't look good either. Yeah, I mean, they try, like I've mentioned it before, they tried to become a run and shoot offense without an offensive line. They have speedsters at wide receiver, but they don't have that guy to take those underneath routes to make those tough catches. And you've noticed the absence of DeAndre Hopkins there, which anybody should have been able to see. So the fact that they have traded away assets to rebuild this quickly. Um, th- there's not a lot of bright spots. Now, the good news is you still have Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson and quarterbacks, uh, it's a whole lot easier to rebuild when you when you feel like you have that position solved. So is it a terrible job? I, I don't think it's terrible, but there's a lot not to like about it. But back to Bill O'Brien specifically, and there's one thing, you, you talk about leadership, and he's a guy out of the Belichick coaching tree, and a lot of people think that Belichick is this uh, hardliner, and I think he is to an extent, obviously, of the, the Patriot way that they talk about, which is very much a team-first, um, rigid kind of just everything is about winning. Everything is about winning. Everything's above Anything else, we don't have emotions here, but Belichick plays that side. He is still a player's coach to an extent. He is going to expect excellence out of you, but he he still cares about the player. And I think you see that from Vrabel a lot in how he handles things. If you're in a leadership position, look, you can be an, pardon my French, you can be an asshole. It's fine. You can be an asshole, but you better be successful. That margin, <laughs> that margin for error because you build enemies. And frankly, if you don't win, in this situation, this this is true for any any form of leadership, in my opinion. If you want to be an asshole and you're self-aware and you think that's the way to lead and it's going to make things um, successful, cool, do it. But you better be successful. Otherwise, you don't have that margin for error. People get a, lo- a longer leash for being a nice guy, right or wrong. Jason Garrett. Exactly. And so that's one of those that, cool, Bill O'Brien did himself no favors. If you look at any of the stories that come out, the way he handled coaches, players, and addressed those kind of things, look, I guarantee you he thought it was the best way to win football games. But, he's wrong. But, yeah, he's 100% wrong. It's one of those things, if he's winning, he may be an asshole, but he's our asshole is kind of the, probably the, he's like, well, at least he's our asshole, you know. Uh, I mean, hell, people think Nick Saban's an asshole, and I guarantee you, Alabama fans do not care if he is or if he isn't. Uh, and I'm not saying he is because I don't think he's the kind of the same kind of asshole. I just think he's very stringent in what he wants done. Bill O'Brien is stringent in what he wants done, but what he wants done is just the wrong way. And it's, it's about people treating people like garbage and you don't get it. I'm sorry. You don't get into a pissing match with your, your best athlete, probably best, at least skill player on your team. And then take him away from what you're trying to build around your franchise quarterback when he's still in his approaching his prime. Yeah, he clearly had lost that locker room, um, and I think that's the reason. Anytime you lose a locker room, you're not getting it back. No. Like, once you've lost the confidence of the players, you're just not. And it's a different. It's also a different world, like in the pros. You, again, going back to you have to. You can be strict. You can be rigid, but at the same time, the players have to know that you care about them, especially sure. professionals. You have to be able to pat them on the back at some point. Exactly. In college, cool. You you know, there's the whole de-recruiting process. You can tear them down and build them, build your little robots however you want to kind of thing. But even Saban, the way he handled things in Miami, I think he's a better coach now and how he handles some of those things. Yes. But it, it's easier to do whenever you have shorter terms, which Frank... Saban's been at Bama forever, but guess what? The players leave. You don't have the same players sitting there, so that message doesn't wear thin. The longer term of being that rigid, that makes... Look, and again, we talk about don't compare yourself to the anomaly, so if you're trying to be Belichick, you're trying to be an anomaly. Anybody be stupid to try. Everybody wants to be the next Belichick, but if you're trying to replicate him, 
he, he you, yeah. that's not how other coaches are successful kind of thing, especially this new age, new age athletes. You cannot replicate Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll. You just can't Urban Meyer. You can't do it. The, the, those guys are have their own way about going things that have been successful for them at their respective levels. And Bill Bryan uh, tried to be something. I don't. I think that he was a fraud. I don't. I don't. I, he tried to be something he wasn't, or he let his true self out, which is probably even worse. Either way, it wasn't working there. So now the Texans are not only replacing their head coach, replacing the general manager as well. And that's just not a, a situation that you want your own four franchise to be in at this point in the season. And you're going to be the bottom to the South now. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And what's maddening about that is, that what, as before the season started, you probably had what everyone considered to be the best quarterback in the South. And as you've said many times through our personal conversations on this show in the past, is that you can't, it's, you have this nice engine that you have for your quarterback, and that's all great, but you don't have the parts to go around it, then what good is that? And they're very much in that situation now, and especially when you take into consideration that they went out to work for these bad parts. And that's what's so maddening to me is that it's not only his attitude, it's not only Bill O'Brien's, uh, the way he treats people, but it's, it's his his analysis of things and how he, he for lack of a better term, because I'm, I'm floundering here, recruits or, 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 you know, evaluates. That's what the word I'm looking for. Evaluates guys. I mean, he's off. All the way around. On to the Bills. So on to the Bills is what, what the attitude for the Titans should be this week. And what should happen is they, right now, as we stated earlier, appear to be on track to play this game. Obviously, bear with us. If this is a lie and we find out tomorrow morning, mid-morning, that something else has happened, I'm sorry. I cannot predict the future. This is an unsettling of world. And real quick before we do this, I will say that all this, these gaps in the protocol and all this stuff, I'm willing to cut everyone a little bit of a break who's at least trying, that aren't the Raiders, that are at least trying to adhere to things because no one has gone through this before. And this is just a new world for everyone involved. Not, and we got to remember, this isn't, they had months to prepare, sure. I, I get that. You don't. You, there's no way you can see every contingency in an outbreak. There's just no way. They're, they're try. They're doing. I don't know if they're doing the best they can, but they're doing a pretty good job of of cutting off most of the things they can think about. They found another one, and they're predict, and they're trying to stop that gap now. So if no other things come up, Titans are going to have a football game. They're going to play the Buffalo Bills. What did you think about the Buffalo Bills? Just just real quick reaction to watching some of the film on them. Yeah, I think they're a good football team, obviously. I mean, they're not undefeated for for no reason. It's not an accident kind of thing. I think the thing that really jumps out to you is a, a lot of people came into this this season thinking that they were going to be this very strong defensive football team that was probably going to run the ball, and I don't. I think they're the complete opposite. I don't think they're a run, they're not a running football team. They're running through Josh Allen, and kudos to Josh Allen. Uh, he, he's playing very well. The thing that jumps out to me, though, and everybody's talking about Josh Allen as an MVP candidate, if Josh Allen wins an MVP trophy, um, not to say he's not deserving of it, but he better be able to break off half of that and hand it to Brian Dayball because that man is on fire as an offensive coordinator. I know a lot of people around here talk about Art Smith and how great that he is, and he is. He's having a great season as well, but Dayball's right there with him. He has designed an offense and is calling an offense that caters to the limitations of his quarterback, but also amplifies his strengths and that's where they're at right now they are not a running football team right now they are they are 25th in the league in rush attempts and so for a team that that is undefeated so they've had their leads now they've been closer games which can temper some of this but that just means that you're going to run your offense and they're not going to be skewed stats they're 25th in the league in rush attempts to give you an idea just put that in perspective the titans are 21st in the league 
and have played one fewer game than the Bills. So just just to tell you the kind of the dichotomy of these two teams and what they try to do, they are very much running this offense through Josh Allen, and they're a pass offense that sets up the run with the pass. Now, they also, if you're watching them, and I love it, they use motion a ton. Almost every single play, they're going to have some aspect of motion. Now, why do you use motion? Well, when you have a young quarterback that has struggled to kind of really get going, as Josh Allen has early on in his career, motion simplifies things. It's going to simplify things for your quarterback because it's going to make the defense, especially not base defenses, uh, show their hand kind of in what kind of coverage they're going to be out there running. So if you see a guy following a guy, you know they're in man coverage. You see the guy kind of hand him off, it's more likely to be zone coverage. So you've already got some predefined reads going into the going into the play. It also can get players out of position to help in your run game. You send a guy across the formation and snap the ball as he's running, that linebacker is likely to take a step or two, if not outright go after the motion guy, which opens up a different rushing lane for that running back. So motion just makes sense to incorporate into your offense, but especially for a young quarterback, it makes things so much easier. So absolute kudos to Brian Dayball. Um, and I'll talk more about how the Titans match up with that, but that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me. And frankly, their defense is fine, but it's not doing anything spectacular. If I, I guarantee you Bills fans are having very similar thoughts to what you hear from the Titans right now. Right. They're supposed to have this great defense. They're winning games, but that defense is definitely giving up points. It is. And uh, just to stay on the offense real quick, so I, I, you and I were talking earlier. It's not that the offense that they utilize a ton of it, but they are successful when they do, and they have some nice athletes out of the backfield and, and, and Singletary and Moss. And what they do is they utilize them in the pass game as well. And that's what that's the big thing for me that I've been impressed with is that you see that the Stephon Diggs was the big free agent acquisition for the Bills, and you think, well, they're just going to throw it to him all the time. He's, and that's not the case. That's absolutely not the case. They, they use Davis and Beasley and Croft – just as much. I think uh, going back and watching the Rams game, I think it was three quarters before before Diggs got his first official catch. There's a couple of the touchdowns he had, but they got called back to penalties or reviewed, and it was incomplete passes. Don't sleep on John Brown. Don't sleep on John Brown. They, thank you for getting there because don't sleep on John Brown either because he's been kind of the forgotten man here, at least here recently. He's a dynamic athlete out there on the edge as well. So you've got, you've got this really – Great kind of balance at the skill positions for this team. Tyler Croft is a is a monster in the red zone, and this is a a tough team to defend in the red zone as far as what they do with the motions as you said to try to take gain advantages. They can do a lot of things. You've got a mobile quarterback on the edge who loves to throw back across his body. It's going to get him in trouble at some point in time. I'm I'm still waiting for it. You know he will make mis- he will make the mistake too on occasion. So the point is is you have to you have to capitalize when he makes those mistakes. But you can't just key on one guy because you don't know who's going to be the guy for them that game. They do a great job of spreading it out, getting everyone involved, and taking what the defense gives them. And when you have someone who does that and mix it with a quarterback who, for lack of a better term, is a little bit on fire, especially for what he's been in his career so far, it's a dangerous combination. So they're they're kind of clicking on a lot of cylinders here on offense this early in the season. Yeah, and you, you've seen Josh Allen make some tight window throws, but there's not a ton of them, and that, again, goes to uh, Brian Dayball and the, the scheme and passing schematics that they're using and deploying there. So, I mean, it's one of those that, yeah, not to take anything away from Josh Allen, but it's a real symbiotic relationship between quarterback and offensive coordinator right now. Now, yeah, I have it right here. My Dayball is spectacular. Yeah, and so it's going to be <laughs> interesting to watch these teams match up because they're so similar in their being offensive I'm not going to call them juggernauts because the Chiefs exist, but off the offensive <laughs> teams. Um, They're a good balanced offensive team that, that's, that's tough, to I think, to 
Yeah, but I mean they're they're a tough they're a tough game day matchup. Yeah, they're averaging three point seven yards a rush. So again, I think it, the good news here is what do the Bills do? Do they stick? Because if you're going up against the Titans and they're missing Jeffrey Simmons and Daquan Jones, I mean, there's a giant gap at the middle. Not to mention the way the linebackers have been playing. I mean, you can go read uh, Bill Ott's piece on BroadwaySportsMedia.com to learn more about that on his mm-hmm. defensive all twenty two reviews. But I mean, there's a giant or hole. Or in the trenches. Yeah, or in the trenches talks about <laughs> it as well. Uh, and so it's one of those that if you look at the matchups, you'd expect the Bills to come in and run it, run the ball right at them, take advantage of that giant gaping hole in the middle of the defense. But that's not what they've been doing. So how are they going to balance that out? And so that's where I think the Titans could kind of catch a break going against them in that it's something that maybe the Bills – still try to pass because they've been successful doing it. You can't yeah, really fault stop? them for it, but if you're the Titans, you're like, cool, thank you, we'll take our chances there, and it takes away one of those glaring weaknesses, and that's where you have to get creative. This is where I'm interested to see how the Titans' defense matches up. If Vic Beasley is healthy, healthier, you got to start getting creative with some of those pass rushes. We talked about those motions being able to conf- being able to define reads. They have not gone, against, gone up against complex defenses here. The Titans can confuse him and that's where I think they have to they have to be able to show one thing even with the motion make Josh Allen believe one thing on the motion and disguise some of those blitzes and coverages because he's been used to seeing exactly what he's seeing and you have to make him not trust his eyes yeah because this offensive line can be gotten to from just four man rushes I saw it the now again the the, the Rams was a game that I watched a lot of, and it's Aaron Donald, so let's just kind of wipe that. But there was more than just Aaron Donald getting to him. There was the edge They got him from the edges. Tackles have been pretty good this season for the Bills. Interior, again, is where this is going to be. So, like, I'm looking for if they can have some packages where, again, Clowney's on the inside and kind of check advantage of that, especially over left guard, those kind of situations. Maybe bring a delayed blitz or a twist. Try to manufacture some of this pressure so that you can try to get to Allen because as mobile as he can be, he also has, on occasion, stuck too long in the pocket waiting for things to develop because, again, he Dayball has done such a good job of scheming some of these things open for him that when it's not quite there – he doesn't really look like he knows where to go next. And I kind of say that as a question because I, that's kind of my impression because it's it's a small sample size, mind you. But that's kind of where I see. So if you can find ways to put that pressure on him, and I call it contained pressure because I don't think you want Allen running outside of the pocket all game because I think that's just not going to be very advantageous for your defense. And you've got to find a way to, A, so it's a balance, right? Hey, you got to get home. Got to get, get home. home. Yeah, that's a good point. They got to get home. But uh, we talked about their offense, and then on their defensive side of the ball for them, I, I saw a lot of zone pressure they brought. They were creative in their blitz in their blitzes, and you've got to be ready for that. Titan strength, arguably, has not arguably. I, sorry, I used that. It's been the pass blocking. They have been fantastic in pass blocking. That has to continue this week, going forward, especially in in a day. But at the same time, you have to be able to control the clock. You have to be able to run the ball. These linebackers. It, the, Hey, tell me if you've heard this before, Titans fans. The linebackers are not as good as their defensive front. <laughs> defensive ends are, have been spectacular for, for the Bills. I don't know if I've said that already, and I apologize if I'm going back over stuff. Tackles are good, but the linebackers are where they haven't been. And, and, and this is coming off a couple games in a row where the Titans have gone against some good linebacker play. Now you're coming into where it's kind of the opposite. The linebacker play isn't as good. Yeah, Ed, Edmonds is a, is a great athlete, but he's not playing up to that. Nope. Yeah, I mean, as far as the Bills, they're a very aggressive defense. They want to put pressure on you. Their linebackers play close to the line of scrimmage. They want to come at you and hit you in the mouth. And, you know, kudos to them. That's what the Titans kind of train for, and that's their MO as well. You can They can be had over the top. 
Oh, like, sure, sure. They will bite on play action. They So there's going to be opportunities to pass that ball around. Um, and so I think you're going to be able to score points on them. Um, and I think you're going to have to. I don't think you're going to be able to hold them down for very long. No. But, I mean, given the choice, I mean, if you, if I had just randomly since they were scheduled to play the Steelers last weekend, I do think that the Bills kind of match up better against the Titans right now um, for the tit- in the Titans' perspective than had you played the Steelers shorthanded without A.J. Brown and some of the injuries that they had. So I think the, it, it, I'm not saying that they're going to win. But all these people talking about that this game's over because of the people that they're missing, uh, I, I just don't see that. I, I don't think yeah. it's going to be a route or anything like that. Yeah, and we talked, we kind of hit on a little bit there just to wrap up here, but just some keys to the victory here uh, for me is you've got to be able to, to eliminate the negative plays on offense. You have to be able to not control the clock so much as you just want to be efficient with your time and don't play from behind the sticks. And on for there, for your defense, you've got to find ways because they're going to be in the red zone. They've been great in the red zone, but you have to find ways to still stay on your man. Even the play is never dead with Josh Allen. You've got to find ways to force them to kick field goals in the red zone. I think that's how the Titans will look to win this game if they can do those two things. Yeah, it's got to be the defensive end edge players for for the Titans, in my opinion. You know you got issues up the middle uh, with linebacker play and then lack of your best, your top two defensive tackles. I think your defensive ends have to win. They have to win. They have to get home. They have to get Josh Allen on the ground. And then I think you just you're going to need a great game called from from Bowen and Vrabel to confuse Josh Allen. I and mean, he he didn't instantly become you know Peyton Manning back there. So those things that you saw last year are still going to be there. Yes, he's going to improve, and he has improved, but he has not been a great cerebral quarterback so sure. far. And so that's one of those that you can he can still be had on that front. That said, it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be a tough thing to, to go in there and get a victory or for them to come here and get a victory. Um, and so the Titans, it, you go out, just like Brabel said, you know, you deal with the hand that you're dealt, and you see where the cards lie. Psst. Also, don't miss tackles. Can't miss tackles. Don't Cannot miss angles. tackles. Getting a Dory back can be, if he's able to go, can be a big win for this defense because I think that opens up some things. When you have a guy that has the speed that Adoree has, you're not having to constantly worry about your corners being beat over the top on both sides on both of sides, the defense. Right. So it does open up some things to have Adoree back, and that's where I think they can get, again, creative on that back end of the defense. So we'll see what happens, but it is prediction time. And since I think I made you go first last week, I'll go first this week. I think that you can score some points, and I think that the Bills can score some points. I just think that it's going to be a little too much this week. I hope I'm wrong. Again, like I say, every time I pick the Titans to lose, I'm always going to caveat with I hope I'm wrong. But my prediction is it's going to be Bills 31, Titans 23. Yeah, you know, for some reason, I feel more confident about this game than I than I did the Vikings game uh, as far as picking the Titans. So it's one of those I'm actually going to pick the Titans 32-28 and. Uh, I, I can't really explain that a ton, but I do think the matchups are there. Now, Dayball could come out and cro- call a great game, but I think they got to be able to take advantage. Art Smith has to be able to move the ball, and he's had extra time to prepare for it, so they got to be able to take advantage of that. I'll be happy to be wrong. Very happy. Well, we'll see what happens, but that's going to do it for this week on the Coach's Corner, part of Broadway Sports Network. Remember, be sure to check out all of our podcasts, articles, videos, breakdowns, and at Broadway Sports has to offer at broadwaysportsmedia.com and on Twitter at BroadwayTN. Remember, we are partnered with 440 Sports. Make sure to also follow your host, JB on Broad for Jonathan, Brian on Broadway for me, and the show at Coaches on Broad. Be sure to subscribe and read five stars before closing out that app. Until next time. Yeah. See you.